0: Sounders, keep your shades anchored and where they belong during life's greatest feats. Head to soundergoods.com and use promo code KTTC to get 10% off and free shipping with any order.
1: You're listening to the Keith to the City Podcast. Here's Neil Keefe.
0: All right, so the Rangers are back in the playoffs. They clinched a playoff spot on Thursday night uh, thanks to a huge win over the Senators to uh, cool them off, and uh, that coupled with the Bruins blowing their game in the final seconds at home against the Ducks. Uh, it made the rangers the first team to clinch a playoff berth they uh currently lead the eastern conference and now they head up to Boston this weekend for one of uh the uh famous rangers bruins saturday matinees uh the return of Henrik Lundqvist and uh the rangers have a chance to to put a little more of a damper on the bruins playoffs hopes and joining me today is Danny Picard of dannypicard.com you can uh, hear his podcast daily there you can also hear him on weekends on WEI up in Boston Danny, how's the mood in in uh, Boston these days? Are you ready to hit the panic button yet?
1: Um I, I don't know that I'm hitting the panic button only because I really haven't had high expectations for this Bruins team um the last month or so. You know, I kind of look at this season as being over. Even if they do get into the playoffs, I don't see them making a serious run. I think their defense is just depleted. You know, now they're without Dougie Hamilton who's out indefinitely. Yeah, they just got David Crazy back, but uh, as much as people in this town want to complain about the Bruins' offense, when when this organization has been successful, they've been successful because of their defense. Uh, they traded Boychuck before the season. I thought that was just an absolutely stupid move, and they never really recovered from that, in my opinion, because then, you know, you're asking... Uh, a whole lot of, out of a guy like Kevin Miller, young kid like Kevin Miller, Adam McQuaid, there's more pressure on him, and he's been terrible this season. Dennis Seidenberg trying to get back from a serious knee injury that he suffered last year, and obviously, you know, he's not getting any younger, so it seems to be more difficult for him. Chara banged up his knee early on. I, I mean, I think he's going to have surgery at the end of the season, I, I think. You know, they, was, they were teasing the idea of surgery during the season this year. He never had it. He returned, but clearly he's not 100%. I just think the defense is so bad right now that there's there's no way this Bruins team can make a run, or at least I don't I don't see it to be possible. Uh, so so panic button, I mean, I think that's, that's a phrase that you use when, when you first throw in the towel, or when you're first about to throw in the towel, but I sort of threw in the towel about a month ago.
0: From a Rangers fans' perspective, you you say that you haven't really had that vibe for the Bruins this season, and that it's not really panic button esque right now. But um, you know the way these two teams have battled over the last few years, we got the one playoff series between them uh, when the Rangers couldn't buy a goal, and and now when I look at the possible opponents for the Rangers um, for the first round, because that's all you can really look for right now. And when I see the Bruins, they're sitting in the eighth seat, and the Rangers as the one. I'm I'm pretty scared of the Bruins. I, I think they're, you know, the top three team to be scared of outside of Montreal and Tampa Bay. And it just, I could see that team getting in there and going on a run. And I know that not just you, but other Bruins fans I've talked to don't really expect that or uh, think that they'll do much of anything if they do get in the playoffs. But I don't know, something about me, I'm still scared of that Bruins team. And they, they sort of remind me of the Kings last year where it just don't let them get in because once they get in, they could do damage.
1: No, I don't... You shouldn't feel that way, and and, and again, you know the reason I, I'm not sold on this Bruins team is but look, if, if they had done some things at the deadline, uh, you know, then maybe I'd be it would be a different story right now. That I'd have a different feeling, but at the same time, you know, I went into the trade deadline and I was sort of happy that Pietrangelo didn't do anything crazy because I do think that when they get some guys healthy. And if he can make a couple moves to add a defenseman or two in the off season, I think that's where next year this Bruins team will be one of the more competitive teams in the league again. Um, but right now, it's just not there. I, I just, I just don't see it. You know, I, I, think we're at the point where you watch this group. You know, they blow a lead. Um, you know, last night and they blow it late, and then they end up losing in overtime to the Ducks. You know, it's not the first time we saw something like that happen. There's certainly frustration, but I think, you know, we're at the point here in this town with this team where they just need a fresh start. And the fresh start, they just need an off season. You know, so I, I wouldn't be scared of them. They're not the big, bad, physical, defensive Bruins that we've known in recent playoff runs. Um, and again, they're just they're banged up right now. And, and on top of that, the guys that they have, they have a lot of underachieving guys. Uh, you know, all of it combined, I, I just, I wouldn't be scared of the Bruins. If, if I was scared of anyone, I would be scared that that maybe Ottawa gets in with their hot goaltender and could, and you know, make it interesting for a couple of rounds. But uh, even Washington, you know, I, I think Ovechkin, I mean, he's ready for it, right? Isn't he he's due for a serious run? you got to think that at some point during his career he's going to make a serious run. It's going to happen. Is this the year? Yeah, very well could be. Uh, but I would be looking at those teams, uh, and I would be scared of those teams more than I would be scared of the Bruins.
0: About a month ago, I, I ranked the teams that I'd be scared of in the first round, and then I and I redid it after a month. Now that everything sort of uh, you know had had more time to shake out, and I did it the other day. And I still had the Capitals as the team that I want to see. And I know you know you mentioned Ovechkin, and, and uh, he's probably due here at some point to go off and have a crazy postseason. But just the Rangers, the way they've sort of uh, you know not really beaten up on them because it's been a lot of Game Sevens with the Capitals, but they always seem to come out on top in recent years. But still, the Bruins to me are up there. The Can- Canadians, um, obviously, I think they're uh, you know atop anyone's list, uh, especially for Rangers fans. And then Ottawa, like you mentioned, I mean the Rangers saw them on Thursday night, but they've been as hot as any team can be. And for them to to be this hot and just to get in the thick of the playoff race, and you look at what the Bruins have endured. I mean, going back to the new year when they had that three-game losing streak when everything seemed to start to go south, and then they rebounded. Then they had a six-game losing streak in February, and now they're in the middle of another six-game losing streak. And it's almost remarkable that they're still. Basically, in the playoffs right now, despite all these lengthy losing streaks.
1: Yeah, I mean it. It is it, it is pretty remarkable that that they are still in it. But I also think that, and look, I said this a couple of weeks ago that, and I, I really do. I actually feel this way. I, I think the Bruins are going to get in, and but I don't. I don't know that. I don't know that it's going to be because it's something miraculous that they do. So. I think they could very well get in and back into the playoffs, you know. Ottawa was on a tremendous streak, and then they looked a little human last night. Uh, a little more human. But um, I think they'll come back down to earth. And I'm not scared of the Panthers. You know, Florida Panthers, they're actually in town here in Boston on Tuesday. Uh are three points behind the Bruins, three points behind the Senators, what, I think seven or eight points behind the Capitals. I'm not scared of Florida Panthers either. Uh, I think the Bruins will get in. I think they could very well just back in. You know, nothing miraculous. Just because the teams that they're, they're battling with um, just aren't just really very good. I, I, I'm not sold on Ottawa. I think they ramped their hot streak. I think in an 82-game season, you're going to see that from certain teams. Maybe that was their time. But there's still a couple weeks uh, left in the season. I, I, I don't know that... I don't know that for the next, what, six, seven games, Ottawa can can do something crazy. I think the Bruins can get in. But I mentioned the Capitals, and we talk about what happens when you get in to the tournament, when you get into the playoffs. Braden Holtby is someone that I wouldn't want to face in a, in a first-round series. We've already seen him here once, uh, and it didn't end up well for the Bruins. Uh, Holtby is the type of kid that, you know, I don't want to say it would be his coming-out party, because he's obviously shown to be a very good goaltender in this league. But you add him on top of some of the you know big-name players they have in Washington, and they could be ready for a run. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the Capitals here, you know, Braden Hope takes his team on his back defensively with the goaltending, and, and Ovechkin takes the team on his back offensively. And they make a they make a legitimate run. I mean, I, I'm just waiting for it, right? I mean, I'm waiting for them to be that team that we're still talking about in June. And, and the more I sit here and, and look at it and talk to you about it and break it down outside of you know what could happen when the Bruins either get in or lose in the first round, I think Washington could be that team. I, you know, if if I were you or if I were anybody in New York, whether it's Islanders, Rangers fan, you know. I wouldn't want to play. I wouldn't want to play the Capitals. That's not a team that that I would want to go up against. The goal they have the goaltender, they have the superstar player who's just hungry for a playoff run and hungry for a cup, and um, that that's the team I would I wouldn't want to play.
0: When uh when this window on the Bruins is closed, and maybe it's closing now, maybe it's going to reopen next year. I'm not sure. But when you look back at these last few seasons, and I remember. Uh, doing a podcast with you in in the spring of 2011 and they were down 2-0 to the Canadians and you were on the golf course and you were, you know, you were pretty uh, down on their state before they went on the cup run. And then the next Mm -hmm. season they lose a game seven in the first round. Um, You know, the next season they get back to the Stanley Cup final. Last year they have a 3-2 series lead over the Canadians and blow that. And now they're at where they're at today. And it's just weird to think that two years ago they went to the Stanley Cup final. Last year they were the team to beat in the East, maybe the team to beat in the entire NHL and now here they are in sort of a state of flux and at a crossroads, and a missed postseason could cost Chiarelli and, and Claude Julien their jobs, and it's crazy to think of where we were a year ago with the Bruins and where we are today.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think they just had a lot going on this year, and, and obviously the GM didn't help them out, but and there's look, those years that you talked about in which they were successful, you know, the years they went to the cup finals, the one year they won it, the year they they should have won it, in my opinion. And, you know, you can look at even last year against the Canadians in that second round and and the way they lost that series. They lost that series because defense, you know, made some uncharacteristic mistakes uh, that really jumped off the screen and and really turned the series around. And, And some of the younger defensemen made those mistakes. And then this offseason, you know, before the season begins, they trade Johnny Boychuk, which I just told you I didn't like. But they also decide that they're not going to bring back who I consider to be the heart and soul of that team, which was Sean Thornton. And, you know, I know Sean Thornton's only played about, you know, 41, 42 games out of Florida's 74 games this season. But there's been a couple of times where he's been wearing that A on his chest. And certainly he's somebody that was brought into a young room that people listen to. And I think there's no coincidence whatsoever that the Islanders here have 93 points and are gonna get into the playoffs with Johnny Boychuk and their team. And there's no coincidence here that the Panthers have 82 and at the end of March are only three points out of a playoff spot. Uh, there's no coincidence that these teams uh, are productive with these two guys on their team. Boychuk and Thornton brought a lot more to the table um, you know they brought a lot off the ice. You know Boychuk obviously brought more on the ice than Thornton did, uh, because Boychuk's a top four defenseman. He actually, to me, is everything that Bruins hockey stands for. Everything that they want it to be. You know, a big, physical defenseman um, had a big shot from the point. He, he liked to finish his checks. He loved to block shots. He wasn't a liability He was not a liability with the puck on his stick when he was moving it out of his own zone. And everybody in that room respected him, looked up to him. You know, he's, he's a kid that fought from the minor leagues just to get to the show. And when he showed up, he became a top-four defenseman and did everything he could to stay on the ice, played injured. I mean, I, I'll never understand that trade, to be honest. Even if they couldn't afford the contract the Islanders gave him, which is a lot, I would have taken my chances with him and just let him walk or either maybe even say to him, You know, what type of hometown discount would you like to take? I would have taken my chances with that. They didn't want to do it. That was a huge loss, and not just for the things that I said on the ice, but off the ice. I think it's important. I think when the Bruins had, you know, some of those losing skids that you mentioned, uh, it just took them too long to bust out of those things because inside the room, you know, you lost some guys that were vocal, And, and that's important. You know, John Thornton... He's not the best player on that team. And he's probably going to be out of the league after next year. I had him on my podcast yesterday, and he even admitted stuff. But yeah, next year, you know, last year in the field, you know, he's probably gone. He, he acknowledges that. But you can't you can't just look at his leadership and say that it didn't matter. I'm sorry, you can't. I mean, Patrice Bergeron is a leader. I mean, by example, Zdeno Chara is the captain. But, you know, this is sort of an you know, a, a topic that people, people go back and forth on the last couple of years here in Boston, which is, you know, is not the most vocal guy. Is that the guy that should be wearing the C? Uh, I think he should be wearing the C, but, but again, he's not the most vocal guy. So who's the guy that's going to, uh, you know, talk to some players, and, and who are they going to listen to? You know, I think there's there's no question that when they brought in Max Talbot here at the trade deadline, it was the Bruins' GM acknowledging the fact that wow, they need a guy like that. They need a veteran-type player who's going to be on that fourth line that people, the young kids in this team, are going to listen to. Um, So, you know, you lose two players like that, and I I get that, you know, they're not all-stars, but they were major pieces to the puzzle of what you had going on here with the success of this team that you just talked about in the postseason, Um, and, and here they are now trying to get in. And there's no coincidence that the Bruins, you know, are struggling to get a playoff spot today. The Islanders are in with Boychuk, and the Panthers, a team that probably should be nowhere near battling for a playoff spot, uh, are three points out in late March. There's no coincidence that, that Thornton and Boychuk uh, are factoring into this race and that the Bruins are struggling because they don't have those guys.
0: You bring up a good point with with Thornton because while he was never you know the, the point guy and he his time on the ice wasn't a lot. Obviously, the things he did in the locker room uh, played a big role, and those are the things that you know can't be measured on a stat sheet. But I remember going back you know to Game Three when they played the Rangers a couple years ago in the playoffs, and I was at MSG, and everyone thought the Rangers were going to win that game, and they had a one nothing lead late in that game, and it was the Bruins fourth line led by Thornton, who just you know was ba- where they were banging bodies in that third period, um, led to a couple Bruins goals. They won that game when up 3-0 on the series, and uh, that was the end for the Rangers. And I think when Anyone played the Bruins, they always felt like they were so deep, and and you know maybe that fourth line wasn't going to score goals against you, but they were going to punish you for 40 45 seconds, so that when you know the top two lines did get on the ice, uh, everyone was tired and everyone was a little fatigued, uh, and it made the Bruins' job as a whole easier. And I think you bring up good points with the fact that they lost him, they lost Boychuk, they lost sort of these heart and souls of the team, and they and they weren't um, they weren't brought in that you know they weren't these these voids weren't filled. And when you look at the GM situation in Boston, do you think you know Shirelli? deserves to pay the price if the Bruins don't make the playoffs?
1: Um, you know, at the deadline, I really did like what he did. I, I like the fact that he didn't panic, and I say this all the time. He could have easily went to the Dallas Stars, called them up the last minute, and said, you know what, what's Detroit giving you a couple second-rounders or a second and a third, whatever they gave up? You know what, we'll give you a first-round pick and one of our prospects to get Eric Cole. Because that thats I'm trying to save my job, and we need that forward and the veteran guy. You know, Shirelli could have done something. It must have been tempting for him to do that. He didn't. It tells me that they're going to let him fix this in the off season. I think it can be fixed in the off season with this Bruins team. Um, they have salary cap issues, though. And then, you know, a couple of days that I'm sitting here defending Shirelli, Defending the GM for liking what he did at the deadline, for even going out and and getting a kid like Brett Conley, who you know after he was traded from Tampa Bay to the Bruins, yeah, GMs around the league going, wait a minute, the, the Tampa Bay Tampa Bay was going to they traded Brett Conley? We didn't even know he was available. This is a kid that was taken the 2010 draft first round, and that's a that's a stacked first round if you look at it. Sagan, Paul, uh, Jeff Skinner. Ryan Johansson, uh, Tarasenko, who's one of the best players in the league right now. He was taken, like, 16th overall, I believe. And, you know, you, you got a kid like Brett Conley who was taken 6th overall in that draft. And he's had some injuries, and he didn't have to play in time, uh, in the time with the team in Tampa that he probably would have liked. But he's he's a good player, and I think that's going to go down. It's a really good move for the Bruins and Chiarelli because I do think he's going to be a top 6 forward. So I praise Chiarelli after all that. And um, then a couple of days later, he gives Riley Smith three and a half million dollars, and his explanation is mind boggling. He tries to get behind the podium and tell us that this is a twenty goal scorer. And I say, well, why? And and, and people say, well, he scored twenty goals. Well, I get that he scored twenty goals one season, but you just can't look at the number twenty on a piece of paper and decide, hey, in a salary cap league in an organization where there's salary cap issues, this is a twenty goal scorer. I'm sorry. My eyes don't deceive me. Uh, I watched the kid play. He is not a 20-goal scorer. And given the salary cap situation they have, I think Shirelli just really, really messed that one up. And um, for a couple days I was defending him, and then he did that. And I'm, I'm in a situation where I don't know that I'm calling for him to be fired, but I'm certainly not going to sit here and criticize Cam Neely if he makes the move. Uh, now, if they didn't give Smith that contract, I do think I'd be sitting here a, a little bit more, uh, I don't want to say in defense of Shirelli, but I would be saying, yeah, you know what, give him the shot to fix this thing in the offseason because I believe it is fixable. But if his mindset is to give a kid like Riley Smith that type of contract, then you know people say, well, maybe it's easier to trade him. And, and maybe you're right. Maybe he is going to package him. But my fear is that, you give him this contract, and since he got the contract, he's been absolutely terrible. He's been terrible this season. And to the point where he was a healthy scratch the other night, you know, a couple weeks after he gets this contract. My fear is that a team's going to say, wow, he's overpaid. Why would I take on the overpaid player in a, in a, in a trade? So that, that, that is a very real thing. Um, Shirelli messed this up. I believe he should be given an opportunity to fix it this offseason. But after seeing the Riley Smith deal, if he's not given that opportunity, uh, I I I won't be I won't be criticizing Cam Neely for making that move.
0: And how about Julian? Are you uh, are you on board with keeping him, or does he go too if they don't make it?
1: Well, I I'm I'm up in the air on that only because I look at the way this team has won, and it's been with defense. And as much as I've criticized Claude and the way he's handled some of the younger offensive players in this organization, you know, r- reality is that this is a coach that that took defensive hockey and, and won a cup with it and then got to another cup final, which they should have won another cup. So if you can fix this thing on the defensive end this offseason, I think I'd probably prefer him to be my coach. Now, if you're going to, Completely, if you've decided to completely blow it up and change things around, then yeah, you got to get rid of them. But if you think that you're going to still build around a guy like Shara and you're going to try to get a defensive top four defensive defenseman in here this off and maybe cut your ties with a contract like Seidenberg, I'm going to keep I'm going to keep Julian around. Uh, so I guess I need to know where their head is at as to what type of strategy they'll have this offseason but if if you ask me both of those strategies uh if you're gonna really you know blow this thing up then then it's time to get rid of the coach if you're not gonna and you think you're going to be a contender next year just by making some some you know some changes on the blue line and improvements on the blue line then i'm going to keep julian around for another year the thing that's
0: crazy with sports, and you—you know—when you think of Julian's tenure with the Bruins and the fact that his job was on the line, he was on the hot seat the year they won the Cup, and they were down 2-0 to the Canadians. They won three game sevens that, she- that year. I mean, he was close to being not, no longer the coach yeah. of the Bruins a million times. And, and it just goes, like, even with the Patriots-Seahawks Super Bowl. I mean, if they don't throw the ball, they hand it off. The Patriots don't win. And, the you know, the storyline from that is way different. Tom Brady's career has looked different. And it's just it's crazy to think about how little, like, tiny little plays and one play here, one play there changes everything. And, and for Julian, it seems like for, you know, the last couple of years, he's been on the hot seat, then off the hot seat. And every time he's on it, he, he, he sort of avoids uh, avoids the heat right at the last second.
1: Yeah, but he, you know what? He's had he's had the defense to save him. Uh He had the goaltender to save him, and not to say that they don't have the goaltender this year because I'm a big Tuukka Rash fan. Uh it, He hasn't been at his best, and you can look at a game like last night against the Ducks, and people can complain about goalie interference on a game tying goal all they want. But to me, if a puck hits you in the pad, if if you if you if you can put a pad on a puck, it shouldn't go in. That's the way I look at it. And, uh, Duke has been, been good. There have been times late in the stretch, down the stretch here where they've used him an awful lot and he's been outstanding and the best player on the team. And look, they probably wouldn't even be in a playoff race if it wasn't for him. So I, I guess you wonder how much can, more could you actually ask of him. First half of the season though, he wasn't great. He wasn't as, as good as, as he needed to be given some of the defensive issues. Um, so given all the work, that he's been handed to him this year, again, the in the past, is he, he's had defense and goaltending to save him. And if there's one thing this Bruins team doesn't have this year, it's they don't have the defense and the goaltending. They're banged up. They lost a key defenseman, as I've talked about, and um, they've used Tuca an awful lot. Uh, again, I think this offseason, you know, there's got to be some moves he can make on the blue line. Uh, people in this town are obsessed with offense or the top-line right-winger. Uh, again, I wouldn't sleep on Brett Conley being a really good player the next couple of years, uh, given the opportunity to play with either Krejci or Bergeron. Uh, I think that if Julian's going to be here still, then they're going to play his style, which is you're going to create offense from a solid defense. And um, right now they just don't have that. So, I, I, But I think that can be fixed. And and if Shirelli wants to focus on fixing that, then you keep Julian around and, and maybe next year, you know, we're having the conversation of, wow, this guy was almost fired uh, again. And then somebody stepped up and uh, they had the defense that time and they were able to, to overcome some of the offensive issues they had because they had such a good defense. But they certainly cannot, they can't say that right now.
0: Well, I know right before the trade deadline, you had on uh, your friend and now Rangers defenseman Keith D'Andal, who at the time was still with the Coyotes, and he's come over. He, he's fit in nicely. The team keeps on winning with him here. Um, you know, I know you wanted him in Boston. He, he's from the area. You know, one of your friends grew up in the, grew up in the Boston area, and now to watch him on the Rangers as that, has that been difficult.
1: No, it hasn't. You know, I'm, I'm. and I said this to him. You know, the the, the night he got traded, I said, "Look, uh, you know, I'm excited for him." You know, I. He wanted to play. He's wanted to play in Boston for a couple of years now, and, and you know, there's a conversation that that I have with my, you know, we have with our friends, and, and you know, you wonder, you wonder if that would have been a good thing, you know, for him coming to play in Boston, you having that pressure on him, and you know, when you play for the Bruins, everybody in town knows who you are, you know what I mean? Like even though even though Keith plays for the Rangers, I think yeah, it's from different, home and 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 I don't think everybody knows who he is so it's not as difficult for him but also you know if he play for the bruins you have know, people bother him all the time for tickets or or, or whatever it may be you know, you can go back and forth whether or not that's a good thing for him i think that the more you know the older he gets and the more he's in the league uh the less difficult that would become so so i do think that he would have been able to handle it uh and and i i think that it could have very well worked out for him here in boston uh, much better than it would have maybe let's say three or four years ago when he was younger. And but but you know I, I think this is really the best situation for him. He's on the East Coast. He's close to home, close enough to home. Um, he's on a team that has a chance to win a Stanley Cup, you know, this year and and probably even next year. And uh, I, I'm excited for him. I, I don't have I don't have a problem one bit with him being there. I actually think it's it's probably it's the best opportunity for him. Better than even being in Boston, and um, you know it's it's tough for me to root for it. Well, look, I don't think the Bruins. I don't I don't take the Bruins seriously this year. I think it would be more difficult if the Bruins were a team that was going to be playing the Rangers in the Eastern Conference Finals, but that's just not going to happen. Um, so, uh, look, I'm rooting for him. I I hope he I hope he wins the Cup, and uh, I hope he wins it this year. And you know, when you look at what he brings to the table, I think you know it's fun to to be able to, to turn on the TV every other night and see a Rangers game on because you never saw him on TV when he was in Phoenix. You know, I mean, you had to either have the NHL package, which I don't have, or every once in a while maybe there'd be uh, a game on the, the, the network. But um, you never saw him playing on TV, and now it seems like you see the Rangers play every other night on NBC Sports Network. So it's cool to watch. It's cool to see him all the time, and uh, I'm excited for him. I think it's the best opportunity where he's at. And uh, no, I'm rooting for him. And um, maybe that's blasphemous here in Boston, <laughs> but I think it's I think it's different. It would I'd have a different take on it. I think uh, if if the Bruins were serious contenders, but certainly that's not the case.
0: So it sounds like to me, uh, we need to get you some Rangers gear if the Bruins don't make the playoffs.
1: <laughs> well, that's 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 taking it a little too far. <laughs> that, that we're not going to be doing we're not going to be doing that. Uh, no Rangers gear. Um, but I will, I will be, you will be hearing me root for the Rangers. But you know what? I mean, even when Boyle played, uh, when Brian Boyle played for you guys, you know, I'm friendly with Boyle too. And, uh, you know, there was always part of me that, that wanted to see him hoist that cup. And, and, yeah, I didn't root for him against the Bruins. But but certainly, you know, that year that, um, you know, you went deep. What was it? The year the, when was that? The year uh- the Kings.
0: Last year, and then... Uh, that
1: was last year. Yeah. I mean, last year. Two, a couple of years ago, they played the Bruins, is what I'm talking about. But then, when they played the Kings, um, yeah, I mean, I was, rooting, I was rooting for him to win. I was rooting for the Rangers to win that. Um, so, it, it wouldn't be the first time I root for the Rangers, because, you know, back in 94... I was going to say. Brian Noonan. There you Brian go. Noonan, South Boston's own, who I play with in a tournament every St. Paddy's Day weekend, though. Uh, he didn't show up this year, and and I actually couldn't play this year either, but... Uh, Brian Noonan won a cup in 94 and I don't care what anybody says go back, watch the video he scored the game winning goal, he <laughs> scored the cup clenching goal against the Canucks and Messier didn't touch that puck and Messier knows it and uh, yeah, maybe, yeah, is that my opinion? yes, but uh, do I do I see it? You can go back and watch it Messier never touches the puck So I, I actually have pictures with that cup in 94, a lot of pictures with it <laughs> Um, when I was a kid So he brought it back to Southie And um, yeah so it wouldn't be the first time I'll be rooting for the Rangers
0: what, You know obviously you were young when that happened But that's a pretty odd element For a New York championship That You know the cup comes to And I realize it's the cup and no one really cares who won it As long as it's there but for him to win it in New York And bring it back to Boston at a time when You know the Bruins had just lost a couple cups To the Oilers and uh, things weren't what they are Now for the Bruins that must have been uh, You know a unique situation In Southie
1: yeah, I mean, I think it was like eleven or twelve. Um, it was, you know, it was when they had the. It was when the player, uh, each player, got the cup for a week. You know, they had it for a week, and that was actually the last team for that to happen because they wrecked the cup. I don't know if you heard <laughs> stories about that team. They, uh, you know, they they really did some things for that cup, and it made the league reevaluate just how long each player gets it. Now each player only gets it for a day. You know, maybe there's a special circumstance where they get it for a second day. Um, you know, at some at a different point in the summer, depending on who you are and where you bring it. But that was the last team I believe that got it for a week. And um, you know, I can remember riding around on my street uh, because I was good friends with his with his nephew and his, with Brian Noonan's nephew. And Brian Noonan's brother, Paul, actually coached me. In hockey, so we knew the family well, and um, I can remember, you know, riding on the street with my bike, and my mother comes out and, and she yells, you know, your father's down at the bar with the with the Stanley Cup, <laughs> and me and two of my friends, we rode our bikes down a couple blocks down to the local bar, and uh, we went inside. I mean, we were eleven, twelve. We were in the bar with them in the afternoon, like taking pictures with the cup, you know. Uh, it was awesome, and and I'll never forget it. And then there was a ceremony later that week, and me and two of my friends actually helped carry the cup onto the stage. Uh, it, it, the, the pictures I have are amazing. It's, it's just, yeah, it is. An, it's an interesting dynamic, you know, a Boston guy winning for a New York team and having the cup, you know, really in the heart of Boston and Selfie for such a long period of time uh, for a week. But, um, no, I mean, it's cool. I think we're all happy for him, and, and certainly – you know, we're all hoping that, that Keith can, can be the next guy to do it. You know, be the next local kid, uh, to take that cup home. And it really doesn't matter who it's with, New York or what. Uh, it's a special trophy and we'll be rooting for him.
0: And to that same point, uh, you know, a related point with baseball season coming up, and the Rangers are, are full of guys—you know, Kreider, Hayes, Yandel—all these guys who are, are most definitely Red Sox fans. Oh, yeah,
1: you know, what? I can't forget about Kevin Hayes. I can't forget about Kevin Hayes because um, yeah, I'm good friends with the with the Hayes family too, and uh, you know, as you know, Jimmy was was in my street, uh, street hockey film. Which there will be a sequel to, by the way, um, but I, that's the only details that I can really give up at this point <laughs> in time. Uh, yeah, you know, it, it, Kevin. You hope he wins it too. Uh, the reason you know I didn't bring him up is because you know Keith has been in the league for a long time, and uh, you know that's that's obviously the first the first kid you root for. But that's not to say I'm not rooting for uh, Kevin. Uh, you know, Kevin. You know, I hope he takes it. I hope he takes it home too. But. uh Certainly, he'd be a little spoiled, you know. If he if he won the cup his first year, you know, you got to give him a couple years first. But now we'll be rooting for him as well. So I I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm forgetting about him.
0: <laughs> well, well, with those guys and, and those are you know Red Sox fans playing in this city, um, you know, probably wearing their, their Red Sox hat around the locker room, which is um, uh, you know, a, makes me a little uneasy. But with baseball season coming up, and uh, you know, usually around this time you're getting ready for the playoffs. You don't know what's going to happen with the Bruins. How amped are you for the start of Red Sox season?
1: Um, I don't know that I'm amped up. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of still in a spot where I want to embrace the Patriots championship. Still, as weird as that sounds, <laughs> and and I think I'm even more so trying to embrace it now that they didn't bring Revis back because I, I just, I just can't understand why they wouldn't want to pay or why they wouldn't even be in the ballpark. But that, that's for another time. Um, you know, I Red Sox season, I'm not. I'm not excited about this rotation. I'm not excited about the bullpen, and I'm a pitching guy. I know we've talked a lot about baseball, and I know what they've done. They added Panda. You know, you add Anley, and the offense looks exciting. Uh, They look like they're going to be a whole lot better offensive team than they were last year when they couldn't drive anybody home when they were in scoring position. But, you know, I just can't can't get excited about this pitching staff. I just can't do it. I I think I just need regular season baseball maybe to – uh, and I need somebody to step up in that rotation and, and 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 show me that they're worthy of being dominant, of being called dominant. I just don't see it. I think we're all, every single guy on the staff, we're sort of hoping they have some type of breakout year, and I don't think that's a good thing, especially not for a big market club like the Red Sox. I would love to see him make a move for Cole Hamels. I'd love to see him make it soon. Um But until they do something like that, you know, my excitement level with the pitching staff is, is sort of wait and see I don't know what to expect I don't know the last time I felt this way about a Red Sox team where I just have no idea what they're going to look like because I have no idea what guys like Porcello Miley Masterson Buckholz or even Joe Kelly, who thinks he's <laughs> going to win the Cy Young, what they're going to look like. I honestly have no clue what this team is going to do this year.
0: You, you seem to have a, a, a very realist perspective on the Red Sox because I feel like most people, most Red Sox fans, and a lot of, you know, of the media and the mainstream media think that they're going to be great. And it's almost like they just are taking the, the Yankees like 04 to 08 blueprint where you just load up on hitters and don't worry about the, the pitching aspect, which it certainly didn't work out for them. And you, you touched on the Super Bowl. And, and I didn't want to bring that up. And I know we haven't talked since the NFL playoffs, but um, because I don't really want to be remembered of the worst big game decision in the history of professional sports. Uh, but when it comes to, you know, baseball, Yankees and Red Sox, they play each other. Early on, which should be good, and uh, they they'll see each other early April, early May, and uh, we'll talk again. And you know, you've been crushing it on DannyPicard.com. I saw you had uh, Michelle Beadle this week. Uh, You had Strong Thorin on one day, so uh, things look to be going well over there.
1: Yeah, it's going well, man. We'll uh, we'll get you on during baseball season. You know, the Yankees are in town. We'll get you in studio. Um, we got a big, we had a big WrestleMania preview uh, on today's <laughs> show too, so that that's available all weekend. We're all jacked up about WrestleMania uh, on the Danny Picard show this week.
0: All right, Dan. Thanks again, and uh, look forward to talking to you during baseball season.
1: All right, thanks, Neil. Talk to you soon.